What you're about to listen to is a Bri-Fi production. Comic book Hey everybody and welcome back to the Bri-Fi Podcast. I'm your host Bri-Fi, your comics guy, and I want to apologize, this episode's coming out pretty damn late. Actually tomorrow is Mother's Day, that's how late this is coming out. And that is also the reason why this is coming out so late because I like panicked because I realized what day it was. Because <laughs> oh, I went out, I got the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, and that was yesterday, last night when it came out. And I was like, oh, that's great. And then the like the lady at the counter, I was like, oh, is that like a gift for you or is it like a Mother's Day gift for your wife? And I was like, <gasps> it's Mother's Day. <laughs> I mean, I kind of knew. Like, I've, like, it was always there in the back of my mind, but totally spaced <laughs> so today i spent a lot of time running around getting the, the house together helping my wife get the house together and like getting her a gift in secret which that is one of the hardest things to do in the world especially like on the weekends when you're both off and you love being around each other it's hard to get away from each other even when it's for the better good you know it's like it's for the best don't want to go away <laughs> anyway so yeah i was able to do that and if you haven't go get your mom a gift and if she likes nerd shit buy her tickets to comic palooza yeah we're segueing into an ad <laughs> comic palooza coming at you this month actually the 26th through the 28th that's if this is the third wow we're two weekends away now it'll be finishing up this weekend next weekend is a free weekend and then the weekend after that that is Wow, that is Comic Palooza. It's coming up here real fast, but Comic Palooza is still announcing new guests and everything. So, just recently, I think this past week, uh, teaming up with Tanak Huerta. Uh, if you don't remember that guy's name or who that guy was, he played uh, Namor in the Black Panther Wakanda Forever movie. And teaming up with him is going to be Dominique Thorne, also from. Uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever as she played Riri Williams in that movie and that's actually the subject of today's topic throughout the podcast but like I said before get your tickets now uh, you can visit comicpalooza.com you can google it you can find them on Facebook Instagram Twitter you can go to my page I got links to Comic Palooza for my page get tickets now because you're not going to want to miss any of this crazy shit that's been going on and all the awesome guests. There's even more than just guests, dude. Um, Comic Palooza is really like an entertainment hub. I love it so much because they have everything from comics to video games. They have tabletop gaming. They'll have some like retro gaming. They're hosting a video game tournament. I believe we talked about, or at least I've posted about on Instagram. But one of the cool things uh, that... I always find fascinating that they do here every year is they do like, uh, like with, there's no other way. Well, okay, here, let me look it up. 
the Houston Area Combat Robotics. That's what they do. And they call it Robotica at Comic Palooza. It's hosted by the HACR. And for me, I, I grew up loving shows like Robot Wars and Battle Bots and just really wanting to build robots like that and fight them because I thought that was cool. And I was also into Pokemon. So that was like robo pokemon and then pokemon became robo pokemon and that was kind of weird but anyway so like getting to watch the, and i always swing by to watch some of these fights uh are these bouts i don't know <laughs> what's the proper word uh for this but um it, it's great man I, i've really enjoyed the robot fighting because it's not like always like the big bad guys like the the like beefy heavyweight guys. It's like the, there's sometimes there's these smaller fights that are just really intriguing. They're in like little four by four cages and they just go at it, man. And like, I looked up a whole, cause man, I just went down the rabbit hole, honestly. And I looked up all the different weight classes for uh, robot robot combat. And you have the fairy weight, which is like 150 grams. You have the ant weight, which is one pound beetle weight, which is three pound looks like they're going to be doing other stuff like um, bot hockey, Lego robotics, and um, just it's so much cool stuff. I think one year they had one where they were putting robots that could like shoot like balls like through a hoop and stuff. And they had to like, I don't, I don't know, it was almost like kind of like a Quidditch thing, but the hoops were in the middle. I don't, it was just pretty cool to watch. Like, it's just so fascinating, especially being into robotics that and it just really um, tickles a little bit of part of me for whatever reason. And I went over to the robot combat events, and it looks like the organizers for this, uh, they list the arenas as fairyweight, antweight, beetleweight, and then there's going to be a heavyweight, sportsman, featherweight, and hobbyweights in a 16-foot by 30-foot with no pits. And seeing the fairy weight, they have uh, little pits in the corners because I guess it's really hard to like completely destroy your opponent when you only weigh 150 kilograms or uh, 150 grams. Sorry, kill not kilogram. Oh god, kilograms uh, that would literally kill some people. But uh, um, so yeah, like I guess the main goal. And I've watched some of these uh, fights. You can look them out on YouTube. It, it's fantastic and fascinating. And the goal really at at the featherweight is to just push your opponent off the edge. And it I, to me, it's just fa fascinating watching these little robots, and they're so quick, and they're so precise in their movements, and it's just fascinating. But like I said, man, Comic Palooza's got something for everyone. I'm super stoked for everything. Three days of pure, unadult, well, pure, amazing nerd chaos like that that's it's nerd chaos but in the best way possible and it's not complete chaos they have the event organized you can check out the schedule see what's going on they even have uh comic palooza after dark stuff so you know for those of us 18 and up our drinking age can go do some fun stuff uh and still nerd out about that and there's tons of bars in the area too so don't think it's just it doesn't have to only be a family fun weekend you can be an adult and have a lot of fun too at Comic Palooza, which is what me and my wife are really stoked about. Anyway, that's enough about that's not enough about Comic Palooza, but for the purposes of this podcast, that's enough about Comic Palooza. Let's get into the Nifty Nerd.
All right, guys, up first in the nifty nerd news, Rumor Mill is uh, going like full spin right now. It looks like Carl Urban, who was going to be attending Comicapalooza, but had prior engagement or something came up, and so now he's no longer able to go. looks like he's in the final talks to play um, Johnny Cage. And, like, I guess they're doing a new... um, Mortal Kombat series, like, which is dope. Like, let's let's face it, fucking um, Carl Ur- Urban is like dope as fuck. But oh, it's not a series. It's just the next movie, Mortal Kombat movie, Mortal Kombat Two. Sorry about that. But like, honestly, he literally just looks like Kano. <laughs> but they've already done Kano, so like, what do you do? Uh, but I thought that was pretty neat. It has me kind of excited. Like, I like anything that Carl Urban does because he's going to give it 110%, and that's what's really awesome about the dude. Um, up next, we got some Gardens of the Galaxy stuff. Gardens of the Galaxy? Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, first off, uh, in their opening weekend, they debuted at $114 million, which maybe not the best opening, but still, I think, a very strong opening for Guardians of the Galaxy. But what's been really interesting is people being kind of upset with the content that guardians of the galaxy has been uh putting out not like i guess the movie itself like i guess i don't know what it is man it's pg-13 which obviously means like hey you need parental guidance if you're under 13 and parents are taking their kids there and, and quote unquote saying it's disturbing and graphic um, I believe there's also uh, themes of animal abuse in this movie, uh, along with some other, like, from what I could tell, some gory stuff from what some people have said. But, like I said, it's PG-13, people. Like, what, what, else, like, I'm trying to think other movies that were pretty violent and still PG-13. I mean, a lot of PG-13 movies are very violent, like, the way they kind of, keep under the rated R is they're not too gratuitously bloody and they don't say the F word like every other sentence. So like, I don't know what people thought they were getting their children into, but don't, don't take your five-year-old to guardians of the galaxy. It's a PG 13 movie. Have you forgotten what PG 13? Like this reminds me of the time Casey and I went to go watch Deadpool, the first Deadpool movie. And if you don't remember, I'll kind of just brush you up the opening credits is when uh, Wade Wilson meets his girlfriend, Vanessa, and they just completely get to fucking. Like, the entire, like, first five minutes of, like, their relationship and in scene by scene is them celebrating each different holiday with different kinds of sex positions. And so, knowing that information, we're sitting in the theater, and this, uh, I believe it was a mother, it could have been a father, it, it was a parent, a parental guardian, Brought in two children, and when I say children, I mean very much they used to be toddlers probably a year ago and are now children, that small of children. And I guess he thought, hey, guns are cool, but then they got straight, just just all of it, just Ryan Reynolds' ass, just, and then he gets pegged, like all of it. And I have never seen a parent take their kids out of a movie so fast, <laughs> which was hilarious. Like, 
I don't know what you thought, man. And Deadpool was rated R. Like, you brought your children to a rated R movie, and it said rated R on the movie. Like, I don't know, man. Parents make bad decisions. That's really all I can think of. But, um, so yeah, people have been kind of upset with the themes of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Just know if you're going to go, it, it it's not 100% a kid's movie. It's got characters in it that are marketed to kids, but it is not a kid's movie. <laughs> Other uh, more positive note for Guardians of the Galaxy 3, they broke the world record for most prosthetics in a film, which I didn't even know that was a thing, but they used more than 22,500 pieces of prosthetics in this movie to make all the vast different aliens and like all the other characters. What's crazy is the film that they beat out. Like just think about it. Why? Like I kind of described the film that they beat out. I would have never crossed my mind to have the most prosthetics in a movie until I really thought about the characters and everyone portrayed in this movie. And then it made kind of sense. Do you think you know the answer? Well, you're probably wrong because the answer was how the Grinch stole Christmas with um, uh, Jim Carrey. Sorry, I don't know why I blanked on the name. And when you think about it, it's because everyone was a who and they had like the nose pieces and like so. And obviously Jim Carrey's the Grinch was very um, prosthetic out. But it was just, I don't know, it was just fascinating to me because that was the movie like that held this record until Guardians of the Galaxy was just like, hold my beer. Um, up next in the Nifty Nerd news, let's go some streaming news. So it looks like Disney Plus is going to start adding Hulu content um, as they're going to try not fully merging the two apps together, but definitely trying to get you to merge both your Disney and your Hulu app together. Now, I don't know what that means price-wise for us because I am both a Disney and a Hulu subscriber, and I've honestly been thinking about getting rid of one or the other. It won't be Disney. <laughs> that Spoiler alert, I am not getting rid of Disney, that's for sure. Now, if they offer like a two-in-one combo for cheaper than both of the apps, separately then you know i might be willing to add the hulu add-on and but currently it's kind of one or the other and hulu is now that i can't watch saturday night live on hulu well i can't watch it right now because the writer's strike but now that i can't watch it on hulu there's kind of no point in me watching or having hulu you know i don't think casey even really watches anything on hulu either so yeah your days are numbered but uh, if they combine them and offer a really good deal to get get them, like how what were they? They were they were bundling Hulu, Disney, and ESPN like all together at one point. But I quickly dropped ESPN because it just I I you had to pay extra to get like the good live, like the good good. So yeah. Anywho, let's move on. To, now I'm all sad and depressed about that. Uh, Captain Marvel 2 is going to rely heavily on the movies before it, like Captain Marvel, like all those. So if you don't know about Captain Marvel 2 coming up or the Marvels, honestly, it's going to star Brie Larson, who's Captain Marvel, 
I forget who plays Kamala Khan, even though I looked her up. Something Amala. God, I'm terrible at this. So you're gonna have uh, Carol Danvers, Kamala Khan, and Monica Rambeau. Those are all the the characters <laughs> in the movie because I can remember those. Terrible at remembering actresses' name or any actors' names. And um, before going into this movie, I would recommend you watching Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan series, watch Captain Marvel, and watch uh, WandaVision, which has Monica Rambeau in it. Because it's, one, it's a great introduction to all the characters, and two, all really good shows, especially uh, WandaVision and Miss Marvel. Those were fantastic shows that I think you should uh, check out before going into the Marvels, because one, I think it's going to help you a lot. It's going to introduce you to the characters, so that way, you know, you can hit the ground running on the movie. And two... Or was that already too? I can't remember. Just go, just go do it. <laughs> At least Miss Marvel, for the love of God, watch Miss Marvel. That is such an adorable show. Um, and then lastly, it looks like Beetlejuice Two, which is still happening, by the way, is adding William Defoe to the cast, and I'm not sure what like character he will be playing, but William Defoe is a terrifying looking bro, and I can only imagine he's playing someone in the underworld or some evil person. I don't know. Maybe he's just like the random mailman. Who's like a really nice neighbor. Who knows? But, uh, I thought it was interesting. I thought I would share that with you. And there's a bug on my Xbox controller. Sorry. I spaced out there. There's just a little tiny bug. That's really interesting. Anyway, that's it for the nifty nerd news today. Let's move on to the final subject. We're going to talk about Riri Williams and her introduction into not only the MCU, but also into the comic books. All right, everyone. Thanks for sticking around for the final part of the BriFi podcast. We're going to talk about Riri Williams because she's going to be at Comic Palooza, and I thought it would be great to uh, focus on her and say hi and talk about, like, how her character came to be in not only the movie that uh, she plays in, but in the comic books as well, and kind of compare the two characters and how similar and how different they are. And I'll let you guys be the judges of that. So in the movie... Oops, I dropped my freaking phone. Oh, it's because my wife texted me and it caused it to vibrate and then dropped my phone. Grr. Anyway, in the movie, uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Riri is 19 years old. She's an MIT student slash super genius who designs really awesome tech. She's even figured out a way to reverse engineer uh, Iron Man suit, mostly. And she also does like a underground homework side hustle for money. I guess that's how she affords like the parts and other things that she needs to build these incredible machines. In fact, one of the incredible machines she builds is a a device that can detect vibranium for whatever reason. And then the CIA gets a hold of it somehow. I guess they steal it. I don't know what really happens here. And they use it to uh basically piss off Namor. So that throws uh, Namor into the mix, and he wants to kill Riri Williams. Wakanda's like, well, hey, we're kind of more out in the open and really okay about that, and we're going to protect Riri Williams because, you know, you shouldn't kill a person. Maybe just destroy the machine and how to make it, but I guess they were like, well, even if we destroy the machine and how to make it, she still remembers how to make it, so we got to destroy her. And I'm just thinking to myself, isn't there, like, mind-wipe devices? Like, Scarlet Witch is still a thing, like... 
Like we know people. <laughs> we're not we're not alone in this world. We can find a way to wipe her memory, guys, and not like bash her brains in all over the street. Anyway, so Riri decides to fight alongside Wakanda because you know the people who don't want to kill you are probably your friends. And um, with the help of a, she like makes a Iron Man vibranium armor suit now, which is the birth of Ironheart here in the movies. And she just, I don't know, just starts whooping up on some freaking Atlanteans or whatever they're called, the the Namorians, (laughs) because they're not from, they're from uh, Taco Taco Khan. I forget where they're from. I forget the name of the place. Either way. Joins in the fight. They end up uh, defeating Namor. And Riri gets to be free. Yay! But she's got to give back the suit that she made at Wakanda. And oh yeah, they kick her out of Wakanda because reasons. I don't remember. I don't know. My biggest question throughout this whole movie with Riri Williams. um, I don't mind the introduction all that much because you got to introduce her somehow, right? And MIT just being a super genius, I guess... That works, right? We There's smart people at MIT. We all agree with that, right? But to build a vibranium detection machine, and the only explanation I remember giving, like being given in the movie is my teacher essentially dared me to do it, and so I did. No, that's not how that works. Like... Like who? Like were you helping someone? Who is this professor that told you to build this machine or dared you to build this machine? Like to me, that should have been somebody. Like that. Like or it should have been revealed in like the after credit scene. Like oh, this was somebody. Like maybe it's Victor Von Doom. You know, like Doctor Doom. Like that's something cool. Or like Otto Octavius. Like somehow was her professor. And in this universe, he's not quite yet Doc Ock, you know, but then he saw the thing with uh, Spider-Man and the whole um, Spider-Verse thing. And then he was like, you know what? Yeah, I should make octopus arms. (laughs) I should steal things. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so that's kind of like her movie intro and like what happens and how she becomes Ironheart there. Um, In the comic books. She's 15 years old, and also for the comics, she was created by Brian Michael Bendis and Mike Diodato, and first appeared in May 2016 in Invincible Iron Man, which was the third volume, or like the third run of the series, issue number seven. And it's very briefly in that issue, because I went to go read it thinking, oh yeah, here we go, you know, rubbing my hands, like, oh, it's time for some reread, and she's literally just in the last panel. And then you get more of her in the next couple of issues and kind of introduced to her. But in the comic books, same thing. 15 years old. Well, that's not the same. That's four-year difference. But young teenage super genius works or attends MIT and is able to reverse engineer the Iron Man armor. Um, She feels like it's kind of destined, though, to become a hero due to things that have happened with Tony Stark. Like, Tony Stark all of a sudden disappears. No one knows why. No one knows where he went to. If you read the story, you realize he's fighting, like, crazy bio-ninja, bio-hacked ninjas over in Japan or China. I can't remember where he's at exactly. And I think he's fighting against the techno-golem who can control all types of technology. So, basically, she just rips the Iron Man suit off Tony Stark. So, he's got to find a weird and interesting way without tech to take this person down, which is kind of cool. But, so, yeah, he's gone. Riri kind of feels 
some type of connection there. Like, I think it's meant to be. I think because I've built a giant death machine, I should become Iron Man. Totally forgetting that I'm pretty sure Rescue existed at this point, which was Pepper Potts as Iron Man. Warhammer has definitely been around for a while. Or War Machine. Why did I say Warhammer? Yeah, of course Warhammer has been around. But War Machine has been around for I don't know how long. But I guess he's off doing trying to find Tony Stark things too. So he's kind of unavailable. I don't know. She, so she just, she feels the need, man. So after some sloppy heroics, she uh, later um, gets discovered and endorsed by the now not disappeared Tony Stark because he comes back from everything. And, you know, they kind of team up. And then she kind of branches out on her own. She becomes Ironheart and eventually joins the champions, which is like the Young Avengers, but with a cooler name. And so I think I kind of like that way better because, like, she has, like, this mentor in the comics, you know, and it's Tony Stark. And Tony Stark's not always the best person to be a mentor if you know the character and know that he's an alcoholic and know that sometimes he makes very selfish decisions. Decisions, there's the word I was looking for. But I think it's kind of interesting, and I like... I like her character. Actually, I like both characters in the movie and the comics. I think in the comics, she's a little more of an ass. Like, she's really mean. And um, it's it's kind of interesting. But, you know, she means well and she wants to be a good person. I really like her in the movie because she's more snarky and kind of like... I don't know. She's just funnier to me in the movies versus in the comic books. But I haven't read too much about her in the comics. So that, that could change, man. Um... Eventually, in Volume 4 of Invincible Iron Man, so this is like after Civil War 2 has happened at this point, and in Civil War 2 pits Tony Stark versus uh, Carol Danvers, so Iron Man versus Captain Marvel in this iteration of the Civil War, and Tony ends up getting put into a coma by Carol Danvers in their fight, and so now... Everyone knows Tony Stark is out. <laughs> like, there ain't no, oh, well, maybe he'll come back. No, homie is holed up in the a hospital bed, just straight in a coma. Not cool. And so, um, a little more, you get a little more backstory on Riri in this now, because now it's Riri is headlining the comic. She is, for better or for worse, the Iron Man in the comic book and, and this and it's issue number one, volume four of Invincible Iron Man issue number one. And um you learn at a very early age, maybe five, who knows, she is diagnosed with terminal I'm a super genius syndrome. And like it's kind of hilarious the way that they're treating it. It's like the parents are meeting with what seems like a doctor and he's like, I've got bad news. Your daughter's bored because she's way too smart for you. You guys are idiots compared to her. And like Basically, that's what he says. And the mom is like, I didn't know. How was I supposed to know? She had toys and tablets and all the things to keep her preoccupied. But ma'am, your daughter's a super genius. She's beyond your comprehension. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was just kind of funny the way they like described her and talked about her as a, a child. Eventually, she grows up a bit. She still like loves tinkering and playing with um, just robotics and electronics and things like that. Um, eventually, she meets her best friend, uh, Natalie. And Natalie's kind of like pulls her out of her world and into the real world, you know, like because 
Riri will get so engrossed and so just into what she's doing. She completely forgets things like she forgets to eat, forgets to go outside and touch the grass. Like, so this is what Natalie is to her. Natalie is her connection to normies. And so it was very interesting to see their connection and see them get along with each other. And then we go to a couple, a couple of years later and family is having fun. They're out at a picnic, having a barbecue and all of a sudden, you see in the background a commotion happening, and it turns out there's a drive-by. Um, Riri's stepdad dives to uh, cover Riri and Natalie, and unfortunately, both her stepfather and Natalie are killed in the gun gunfire. And so that's kind of what gives Riri her sense of responsibility and why now she's not just building robots, robots, robots as a hobby, but she wants to do it to help people and protect people. And so that's kind of like how the comic book introduces us to Riri Williams. Um, and that's what sends her off to start being a superhero. She like goes to New Mexico. This happens in earlier uh, Iron Man stuff, but she goes to New Mexico to fight some bank robbers. Then she's fighting against this crazy mutant who is in Wyoming for whatever reason and like launching crazy, not hologram monsters from her body. It's like she can produce monsters with because of her DNA or some, I don't know. It's weird mutant shit. And you just got to read comics to really understand. And I read comics and I still don't fully understand what the fuck I just read. But, uh, so she's fighting her, and the fight goes meh. It's still very sloppy. I think Riri realizes that she can't do it all. She can't make the calculations, try to figure out like how to defeat an opponent and still fight and fly the suit all at the same time. So she needs a capable AI who's able to really assist her because she's got a basic computer program, but it's nowhere near fast enough to make calculations and assist her in fighting against superhumans and monsters and things like that. And so that's what she realizes. But one of the big fallouts and like one of the craziest shit that happens. So she helps everyone like saves the day, beats up this mutant, like takes down, saves everyone from all the DNA monsters. Cause once you knock her out, all the weird DNA mutant monsters just disappear then the cops turn their guns on her because they're like, okay, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. But now who the fuck are you? One cop gets all jittery and then just launches around straight into Ironheart. Well, she's not Ironheart at this point, but Riri's uh, face. But luckily, you know, she's wearing Iron Man suit type stuff. And so it just kind of deflects off it. And she's like, yo, really, dog? Like in this environment? Like that's what you're going to do? And also, you know, literally you were just right there, saved you took down the bad guy he even told you hey i'm here to help and then then afterwards i put even put my hands up like hey not trying to hurt you and you still shot me you're a douche pull his badge anyway uh, so that's kind of you know like an introduction to riri williams it was enough like this issue uh issue one of volume four of invincible iron man is enough to make me want to read more. You know, I've been looking for a new book to read uh, as far as Marvel series goes. And I kind of just wanted to read this one just for like comic Palooza's sake. But after reading this issue of invincible, invincible Iron Man, I kind of got really interested into what's going on. Also, Mike Diodato's artwork is really fantastic. And I really enjoyed that a lot. So that made reading and 
trying to figure out what Riri's deal was really entertaining. And so I think I'm going to continue with it. I think I'm going to read more Riri Williams up until I get to the actual Ironheart series, because right now she plays in the Invincible Iron Man comic, but eventually she will get an Iron Iron Heart book. And it also kind of makes me want to start reading Champions now that I know she goes in the Champions. Plus, uh, Miles Morales is a part of it. Kamala Khan is a part of it. So I kind of want to go that route now. And now that Riri's part of there, and it's another character I'm interested in. I got three characters that I'm interested in all in one book. So I think I want to check that out. Um, but yeah, man, that's it for the comic book review or discussion of the podcast today hopefully you guys enjoyed it hopefully it didn't go on too long and um hopefully you have thoughts and ideas but most importantly and most hopefully i'm gonna see you at comic palooza especially on saturday may 27th at the george r brown convention center i will be on the main floor at the podcasting booth at 3 p.m doing a live show in front of whoever decides to uh make the mistake of sitting in the chairs like that's usually what happens like so the live show and being able to use the podcast stage on the main floor is not so much like an actual entertainment stage where people are like, whoa, we're going to watch this band like type thing. It's really like for podcasters to have an area to sit and um, do a live show there. And then there's also chairs where people could sit and watch. They have like five rows of like 10 chairs, you know, so you can fit like 50 people in that small area. They have a PA system so people can hear you. And it's not just you talking to yourself. It is you talking through a, a microphone and speaker for others to hear. And what you typically happens is Comic Palooza, Comic Palooza is a very large convention. There's a lot of walking and you will get tired and you will want to sit down. Then you see this open area with a bunch of free seats and you're like, hell yeah, let's sit down. And then you start listening to some dude or whoever start talking about really weird nerd shit that you may or may not be interested in. And it's just awkward for everyone because they just want to sit there to relax. You want to sit there and do your show, but you also kind of want to interact with people because this is like your one chance to do a live podcast and have a live quote unquote studio audience. And so it just becomes awkward, especially for me because normally I do a solo show. I don't have anyone to talk to except for, whatever figurine I put in front of me just to stare at while I'm recording the microphone. Today, it's Sleepy Bulbasaur, and he sleeps on a beanbag, and that's really cute, and I think I'm going to take a picture. Uh, anywho, so trying to come up with an idea for Comic Palooza for to talk for 45 minutes and have an entertaining show, but also provide good content for you guys at home at the same time who maybe don't go to the show or want to hear it afterwards is not the easiest thing for me because I am an awkward person. I've thought about doing a a searching for a co-host episode. So basically whoever sits down, if anyone sits down, I drag them over to the table and force them to record with me and you know, just do like a little five minute set, like set a timer for five minutes and see um, how well they do. Like I'll come up with new stories or something that we can talk about. And, um, like, that's what I thought about doing. I thought it would be kind of funny and just like, it's a way to get people involved and have a lot of fun with it. Or at least 
I believe. I don't know. I've also thought about coming up with fake news stories using cards against humanity cards, but then that could get a little raunchy and risque. And then also, like, the scary thing is people are unpredictable. So who, who, how will I know? How can I vet these people that are randomly sitting in the audience and I'm going to pull and put on a microphone to blast to the crowd where everyone can hear. And so they start going and off. It's not them that gets in trouble. It's the guy who owns the table at that time, which is going to be me 3 PM to 345. Bri-Fi. <laughs> so uh, definitely want to be careful with that. Anyway, that's all that I got for y'all today. Thank you for listening very much. And we will see you guys next week. And when we're only a week out, from Comic Palooza next week. We're still two weeks out now. I, maybe I confused you when I said that, and I shouldn't have said that. But anyway, that's all I got to talk about. We'll see you guys later. Bri-Fi out. <laughs>